0: Hi, this is Rachel Lynn, and you are listening to Upstage Left. In this episode, I speak with actor Layla Kosh, who you may have seen in Dance Nation or Men on Boats at Playwrights Horizons. She was also in *Dido of Idaho at Ensemble Studio Theater. Layla has a new show coming out soon called All Hail Beth, so keep a lookout for that. Layla and I recorded this episode at the end of 2018. It was the very first episode I recorded. And for a little while, I was trying to get Layla to record it again with me because I didn't like the way I asked questions. I was being very critical. But more recently, I listened to the episode again, and I love everything Layla has to say. So I'm really excited to share this with you. Layla and I met in 2014 doing a play called Women, which is a modern adaptation of Little Women uh, by... Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, and the play is by Kiara Teak. So since then, Layla has become one of my favorite actors to watch on stage. She is a comedic genius, and I love talking to her. So here is Layla Kosh. Hi. Hello. So I'm speaking with Layla Kosh-Nudi. Yes. So you've had a really good year this year.
1: I have? Yeah. That's <laughs> good to hear.
0: <laughs> um, so you did, earlier this year, you did Dance Nation. Yes, yes. That was exciting. It was. And you did Dido of Idaho mm-hmm. earlier in the spring. Mm-hmm. And when did you do um, Bowl and China Shop? Was that this year or last um, year? I
1: think that was last year. That was last yeah. year. That was last year. Pretty sure. It was like last winter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was last winter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it feels pretty
1: recent. Yeah. So it was probably exactly a year ago. Yeah. Um, or the thereabouts.
0: Are you feeling good about 2018?
1: Um, I think so. Yeah. It's been a year of transformation, I think, on a personal level. As for work, yeah, it was a pretty good year. Um... You know, when the work goes away, it always kind of feels like a bit of, I don't know. It's hard to reflect on the good things when you're looking for your next job. So I appreciate you bringing it to my attention because yeah, like I'm not really at the state stage of reflecting as much as I am kind of like, what's comes next, you know, hmm. such is the life of the actor, but yeah, given the opportunity to re- reflect on those projects, they were absolutely amazing. There was also a seagull machine this year.
0: Yes. Yeah, seagull machine. Yeah. 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 And,
1: uh, I just finished, um, a web series for brick TV, which was one of the bigger, um, film, jobs that I've ever had. So yeah, you know, when I put those things together and kind of consider my resume building, it, it was a pretty, pretty big year in that sense. And they were all really amazing projects in unique ways. And I think career defining to various extents, you know, and surprising in that way.
0: Yeah. They're all really different, really different roles to Just thinking, also thinking about like Siegel Machine versus Dance Nation, like right those characters I mean I don't know to me they feel I mean the material is feels different vastly
1: different Yeah. yeah like I don't know Siegel Machine's classic texts which I think is the first time I've ever played a classical role in a full on production you know I've done them and studied them but that was the really probably most exciting thing about that was the unique challenge of doing a character that everybody knows and everybody is super familiar with. And most of my friends have studied, you know, or played. And there's just like a very unique challenge in that. And then Dance Nation and mm-hmm. Idol of Idaho are both so like radically, um, modern, I would say, especially Dance Nation. I felt like very, it's sort a of very fresh kind of like of this moment feels very new and original. I think that's true of Dido of Idaho too, but there's a little more, um, something more classical, I think, about that play. Yeah. You
0: like, know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's based on the story of Dido, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Dido. Or at least that's a big theme in yeah. it. So yeah, I think in that writer, Amy Rosebrock's style kind of blends classical forms, classical mm-hmm. structures, With a a radically new voice that is very much her own, but because of her background, I would imagine. I don't know exactly what, why this is, but I feel like there's something very, um, uh, literary and like historical about her plays also, as, as much as they are contemporary. Mm -hmm. So they were both really fun, and you're right. I think they were really very different. And all the theater, all the companies that I worked with had very different approaches to building those plays Mm -hmm. and working with actors. And so, yeah, it was a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So it was EST, Players Horizons, Mm -hmm. and then The Assembly.
1: The Assembly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Brick TV for the web series, which was, that was an interesting project too, because, which just wrapped, because that was the first time in a while that I worked with a whole company of brand new people. Mm-hmm. I guess the way my career's gone has been like working with a lot of people that I've already known and being connected through jobs I've already had. Yeah. So this was one instance in which I got the job from an audition, not knowing anybody, which was kind of cool. You know, there was something like a little validating about that. I mean, the other way should be validating too, I guess, but <laughs> that, 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 that's more common. So this was new to be like, Oh, I actually got it from the audition. I don't think of myself as being very good at auditions. So. I was, uh, surprised and happy about that. Um, and that was a new director. Her name is Misha and she was an actor and then sort of got frustrated with not getting a lot of work. And so just kind of built a career as a director producer. Mm. So that was really interesting working with her and, and just seeing kind of how together with brick TV and a couple of producers that were brought onto the project, they really got this thing off the ground in um, a pretty big way considering the budget and how new and young Brick TV is and how kind of like uh, early career many of the people were. It's like a very ambitious project and pretty solid in terms of all the production components. Anyway, yeah.
0: That's cool. That's cool. It's like 20-minute uh, episodes or...
1: Six uh, ten minute episodes. Oh,
0: six ten minute yeah. episodes for in a season, or is that
1: like a? It was um, one season. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it should be coming out in March of next year. So I hope it's good. It's probably not going to be. <laughs> I'm like, I think I don't know. I don't think I. Uh, I'm very critical of my work in it. I'm very nervous. That's why I like to do theater because I don't have to deal with my shitty work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, I mean, but you've seen yourself on film and stuff. You know, I you watch your film stuff. I
1: have, right? but it's never been comfortable. Probably save for the web series that I made with Abby. I also made a film called Closure, which I think because they're improvised, mm. that somehow because they're improvised, they're easier to watch. Mm. I don't know exactly why that is, but that's just my been my experience so far. Like, my ex is trending. I actually love watching that. It doesn't give me the same (sighs) horrible (laughs) feeling that watching myself do scripted stuff does. I'm just like, why does anybody ever hire me? I'm a terrible actor. But but I'm trying to learn and get better at it, and also view myself more objectively. I don't know. Sometimes I think I'll just be one of those actors that never watches themselves. Hmm. But because those do exist, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's. I don't think that's the right way to go. I don't know. I I want to be able to watch myself so. Yeah. That's so the the project <laughs> to get there someday.
0: So, you're from Texas? Yes. Houston? Is that right? Arlington. Arlington which is the Dallas area. Okay, okay. Got yeah. it. Got it.
1: Got it. Arlington, Texas. And you didn't start out doing theater. Uh, no. I didn't study it until I moved to New York and in- like, nine years ago. Nine years ago. Yeah, so it's been a while now, but I didn't do it growing up.
0: Why did you decide? Like, what kind of drew you to it, or what was...
1: Uh um, I think I always wanted to be an actor in this very private way. For example, I remember when I was a kid, I did this a lot, we loved movies as a family, and we watched them together, and all kind of revered movies and actors we knew their names and talked about... Favorite actors a lot and our favorite lines from movies and stuff. So that was already an important thing in my family and one of the few things that everybody kind of like felt the same way about. Mm -hmm. And, but I remember, you know, we would have these, um, sort of eventful movie viewing moments, you know, like the rare times that we all got together and sat down and, you know, that kind of shared experience. But also I remember that more often than not, I would leave before the end of the movie to go upstairs to my room and reenact the scenes and say the dialogue to the mirror and stuff like that. And I don't know, I, I kind of feel that a part of that was because my parents were foreigners and very foreign in that particular environment being that Arlington, Texas is not the most diverse place. Mm. Not very many Iranians or middle Eastern people, um, especially. So I think I kind of learned some elements of culture from the characters in movies and how to assimilate in my own way. But also it was just really exciting to say words and kind of like be dramatic and, use your body and your face and your voice in that way and kind of like the freedom of that of like you know the autonomy of that like you have your body it's your instrument you can control it find out all the ways that it can amuse you
0: Were you born here? I was
1: born here. You were born yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. First generation. So my parents had been here for a while by the time I moved I and mean, by the time I was born I mean Time I moved into the earth <laughs> from my mother's womb. They had been here for a while, but they're really foreign. Like, I don't know if I could, this is right, but I feel like they didn't assimilate as aggressively as some. Um I don't know. I don't know if that's true, actually. But we have a really big family. So they stayed with each other. So the culture in my household felt very starkly different from... The outside world, in school, in my friends' households, super duper, very different. But they had been here, I think, for maybe at least a decade. No. Oh, yeah. About a decade, actually. That's right.
0: Did you feel like an outsider?
1: Oh, yeah. You did? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I didn't put the brakes on like an aggressive assimilation strategy (laughs) like against aggressively trying to assimilate all the time. Not that I knew that that's what I was doing at the time.
0: Right.
1: But I feel like I didn't take a respite from that action until college, to like sophomore year of college when actually I I met some artists Mm -hmm. for the first time.
0: What were you majoring
1: in? I started out as a theater major. Oh, okay. Again, because I kind of knew... It's this is weirdo, this is a weirdo, like I was a very rebellious kid. And I think my external life was very different from my private life, but I think I harbored the secret knowledge that I would be an actor, but I didn't dare tell anyone because I think it would have just seemed so strange to everyone that knew me. And I knew that if they said it, that they would, people would be incredulous and that it would sort of crush the mission or like impair the mission.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I
1: kept that mission very private. And I remember even going to the area of the auditorium that was like for the theater majors, the prospective theater majors on that day because my dad was there with me on orientation was very scary. And I didn't end up sticking with it. I ended up shifting to electronic media. I think because I've also had a mind towards filmmaking, you know, Mm -hmm. I think uh, because of those experiences talking about like the importance of movies and... I don't know, somehow that just really resonated with me. And I felt pretty clear that that was the only thing I was ever going to like really care enough about to not be lazy in life. And so, um, electronic media, I think somehow in my mind, at least connected to that ambition of getting into filmmaking, which I still intend to do and have sort of like gotten a little bit more, um, active in recent, the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think, Made a couple of movies. I've been in a few movies and made my own. But, yeah. So I majored in theater, but then I quit. Were your
0: parents cool with, like, when you told them, I'm I'm going to go to school for theater,
1: were they like, yeah, do that? Or were they, like... Like, when I actually did, a few years later? Yeah. They By that time, somehow they were supportive. I'm telling you, I had a very private mission, and it kind of worked out. Like, I didn't pull the trigger too soon, I think. Like I didn't, I felt that it wasn't right in college. Though I auditioned for productions every once in a while, never got cast in them except once, a really small role. Um, but I, I, may, I minored in dance. And then my parents would come see me in dance concerts. And I think they saw something that like was serious. And I think they kind of knew that, I was a little bit of a fuck up if I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. That's a good strategy. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then they had faith, you know, I got myself accepted into the Martha Graham school and that's how I got to move to New York. And so that was already like, it was like these little moments of gaining their faith in myself as an actual professional artist. And then I took a class, an acting class and got some really good feedback. But Actually, a really seminal moment in my life was in undergrad, which was at Texas Tech University. Listeners, people <laughs> were so surprised to learn that about me. Actually, I was telling my friend last night that I've worked with and known for a couple of years at least. And when he found out that I went to Texas Tech, he was just completely gobsmacked. Like, so yeah, I did go to Texas Tech University, completed my degree there, and lived there for four years. But, um, there I auditioned for, Couple of productions never got cast. Auditioning was terrifying, but thrilling. And like at that time, I didn't know anything. I was looking up monologues on the internet and like printing monologues for movies I'd seen. Like that's what I was doing. <laughs> and so, um, I, I think I had one audition that my friend helped me with, my friend Jackie, who was an actor. She was a, had been like a child actor and she was studying acting there and just, the best actor in that program by far and kind of frustrated with everybody's, um... amateurity. Amateur? Um, but funny, you know, just a young, spoiled way. And she was, like... She helped me with the audition, and it went really well because she, like, gave me a nice theatrical monologue and helped me with it a bit. I got cast in a very small part, but somewhere along the way, sorry, the point was this guy who was the head of the theater department at the time, who had studied drama at Yale. His name was Jonathan Marks. He sent me an email inviting me to visit him in his office. I think actually, okay, this was the season that I didn't get cast. I only got cast the whole time one time, and it was a like a part with two words. But that this was not that time. This was sometime either after or before or whatever. I didn't get cast. And he brought me to his office and said some things along the lines that my audition had shown promise, and he even went so far as to say that he thought that the reason I didn't get cast was something because like I wasn't in the department hmm. you know, yeah, yeah like gave me that little insight, and I really think that fueled me all the way to like grad school,
0: wow, yeah, that's I really amazing. think that
1: I that gave me what I needed
0: him just saying I think you have promise, like- yeah. Keep going.
1: That little affirmation from something that I had already, like, again, very privately cultivated this belief in myself, just seeing it kind of reflected back and validated, even in that small way. That he was a man of stature, too. You know, he had that history.
0: That's amazing. Were you like a shy, when, and during that time, were you like shy or were you kind of like a loud, boisterous, like, kid in school?
1: Probably the latter. I don't know. Trying to remember. This I feel like my school life was very different from my uh friend social life. I probably was boisterous. Around that was the time that I again like met artists and musicians, and there's this great musical tradition of like the panhandle. So I met a lot of people that were just connected to that. And and bands would come through a lot more at that time than they do now. I think I don't think the tradition lives as strongly now as it did then. Unfortunately, because they closed a radio station there that we all, that I worked at. First, I listened to and was a huge fan of. It was like some alternative radio station on, it was an FM station, but they would play really, really off the map stuff and very cool kind of indie music stuff. And people that ran it would go to conferences in New York and they really stayed plugged in. And so it was a really cool radio station. And it was kind of the hub for the artists.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then they closed it down. So that doesn't exist there anymore, which makes me really, really sad. But that, that made my, that, that along with dance made my experience there very special and really gave me an environment in which to understand myself as an artist.
0: That's at, amazing. at
1: least socially, you know, I mean, dance with dance practically, but socially. And that was quite different from the people that I grew up with who were I don't know. I'm still friends with some of them, so this might be insulting, but I'll say it anyway. Aggressively normal.
0: Sure. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: to where you wouldn't even want to say something that was, that would catch their attention in the wrong way because, you know, you, for fear of being made fun of or something.
0: Right, right. And
1: then right. in college it started being like, oh, so these unique thoughts that I have are actually interesting to people and maybe I should cultivate them, like, you know, and, Totally different, totally different existence.
0: So you came here, you came to New York to go to Martha Graham. Mm -hmm. Did you stay? Did you finish?
1: I did not actually. No, I got injured.
0: You got injured.
1: Yes. I injured my back. Oh no. Yeah. It hurt. I continued dancing for a while, but I did not complete that program at Martha Graham school, but I met a lot of cool people. Some of whom I'm still friends with, it was an international school. So it was fun and it's a beautiful technique and I practiced so much and I loved it. But yeah, I didn't, I don't have the body for it, to be honest. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty punishing. It's rigorous. Yeah. It's, very rigorous. yeah
0: and yeah, dancers, their bodies go out pretty, I mean, it's, it's a hard career, really yeah, hard career. It really is.
1: Yeah. I kind of was like, no, I don't want to sacrifice my life in that way. I mean, actors still do that, but
0: Did you audition for a few grad schools or were you, did you know the one you wanted to go to?
1: I auditioned for, for some reason, Cal arts and Brooklyn college. I had auditioned for a couple of other schools, dance programs. I auditioned for Juilliard's dance program at NYU at probably the previous year. Like while I was still at in more in that world, I can't, looking back on it now, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Did what? Went to those auditions
0: to the Juilliard Dance Program ones? Oh, yes. Oh, God.
1: They were so scary. I mean, the actor and ones hard.
0: are are just as scary and terrible.
1: I'm sure. I very. don't think I ever... Yeah, I never did those. Just Cal Arts and Brooklyn College, which were both pretty chill. Both pretty chill. The Brooklyn College one was actually a very beautiful experience. Uh, very intimate. They asked these questions that just got me speaking about myself very off the cuff and... Something about the environment, like, enabled me to just be really earnest about what I wanted and what I believed, like, why I believed in myself.
0: I mean, we haven't really spoken a lot about, like, your work now. And Mm. I feel like a lot of your work now is so, I don't know, specific to you. Mm. I really, when I watch you on stage, I'm like, you're one of my favorite people to watch on stage because you're just Mm. so present in every way, like, mind, body, spirit. Do you feel like... (laughs) They gave you that there or do you think you, like, how do you think, how do you, how did you come to how you do your work today? Mm -hmm.
1: I would venture to guess at least, it's hard to say because I have no basis for comparison, never did any other training program, Mm -hmm. but I do know that the teachers there and the head of the program, the heads of the program emphasized individuality. In both their, like, aesthetic preference and, you know, in terms of who they selected to come in and kind of work excited them. And also in their teachings and developing an artist, developing us as artists and getting us a lot of work in getting us to talk about ourselves and our experiences and projects designed to, um, encourage us to personalize the work. And stretch ourselves in specific ways. But yeah, there was a very strong emphasis on what the person can bring to the work that no one else can Mm -hmm. specifically from the heads of the programs. We also had, um, like adjunct teachers, our acting teacher and our speech teacher were people that work in both the industry and also other bigger schools and private schools and stuff. So they were a little bit more geared toward industry standards, I guess you could say. But uh Mary Beth Easley, who is the creative director of the acting program, and Judy Lee Vivier, who is the head of the acting program, were both very excited by an actor as an artist. So I think that has probably, you know, that does very much inform the way that I approach my work and, and try to like continue doing that. What would the what what's like the other side of that?
0: Well, I I guess the alternate is like schools that don't emphasize individuality, which I think Mm -hmm. I kind of went to one of those schools. Mm -hmm. And I do think then the fall, then you spend a lot of time, like, I guess it depends on who you are as a person. Right. But I don't know, you can fall into people pleasing or Mm -hmm. doing too much emphasis on like, seems like, you know, all, putting your energies
1: in other realms, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. For yeah. first and foremost, I don't, yeah. I don't really know, but yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: I think I know what you mean. Like, um, an emphasis on storytelling or clarity or something like that. I don't. I mean, what the the program that you felt didn't emphasize individuality. What what did they emphasize? Just out of curiosity.
0: I think they emphasized more, like, action. You know, they'd be like, mm. what are you doing in this moment? Which I think, mm. I mean, these are all the things that need to happen, obviously. Sure. Also
1: important, yeah. Yeah,
0: also important. But yeah. rather than being, like, like, you know what's the most I don't know I just How always do you felt feel about eh, this, and what do
1: you bring to the story kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah I just always
0: felt like I wasn't like doing the, it the right way or I'm not Ooh. sure like I don't know yeah. rather than going moving uh, through like oh the way you're
1: gonna do this is actually the right way or like the way that
0: you know keep yeah. going keep going in that direction
1: But deepen it and specify it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that was very much how I was taught and how I would like to teach actors someday. If I get to do that, it's just about, I I think actions are very important because I struggle with that and that can activate you and get, get things shaken up in a good way. But like deepen and specify, especially deepen because if you're already personalizing it, It's hard. It's hard to go as deep as you are because that is what is required. But it's really hard to do that. I find I like probably need to go to a class and brush up on that stuff. It's easier when I was in school and had people forcing me to do that all the time. Yeah. It's really hard work.
0: And it's hard to do that when you're living in New York and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out like you get a million job, you're working on multiple projects at one time in addition to your day job. I think... That for me is like one of the biggest challenges of, you know, working in the theater today. Yeah. Or in any art medium. I think New York is such a hostile environment to artists now. Mm. Yeah. It's very challenging to make deep work or meditative or work that comes out of mm. a meditative place because we have so little time to do that.
1: So interesting. Yeah. That's true. Well, I can see that.
0: What do you find to be like some of the biggest challenges of being an actor?
1: I find the career building stuff very challenging, more so than the work itself. Although, definitely moving from job to job is is really hard. It's hard to feel like you're giving the material justice when you don't have the time to spend on it. I I like auditioning, but I find it challenging to stay in flow when I'm doing a lot of auditions because... There's a lot of decisions to be made about how much time to spend, how to approach the audition, you know, and then you spend all that time when you, well, when you really like it. I usually make the decision based on the material, how much time I'm going to spend. Right. So if I really like it, I get really excited and try to, you know, make it happen and make it really solid and polished to the best of my ability. And then, you know, it goes away And it gets easier and easier, I think, because there's so much support from other actors and there's so much, so many people will just tell you that it has nothing to do with you and you know, whatever, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes to just go, okay, well that was all for nothing. You know, it can feel that way anyway.
0: Do you get heartbroken
1: still? Oh God. yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Especially when you think you did a really good job. And then you don't hear anything that's happened a couple of times in the past couple of months where I was like, Oh man, I did everything I wanted to do in that audition, which how often does that happen? Yeah, never. But I took an audition class and I kind of really owned that as part of the job. I think this year more than ever, just really trying to, you know, take my, take my career very seriously and do my part best. Just know that I was doing the best that I could. So, I kind of decided to take auditioning, take it on, you know, and not, I don't know, half it or whatever. I was, I don't know what I was doing before. Probably not half assing it, but more just like, I think my previous attitude was just like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. So fuck it, you know? And now I'm like, no, you can do it. You can, you got to get the job. Like you got to just try mm-hmm. your best and try to get the job. And then so I felt like I had a couple of really successful auditions and then I didn't hear anything. And that was rough because it's like, is it always gonna be like that? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel logical. <laughs> you know, it just feels like this um thing as actors we're just supposed to accept all this illogical behavior. Right, right. And that's really hard. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, you work really hard and in any other career industry. You'd be like, you get rewarded
1: for it. And here right. like... Or at least someone would tell you <laughs> something. Right, right. You know, it's very strange to go there and then not hear anything. That's actually quite weird. And actually, some directors, I've heard, will write you and will, like... I mean, maybe that's if they really felt they connected to you and maybe that didn't happen. Who knows? But... Um, yeah, it's a little bit like you don't know what's going on. And that is the part that is the most the, the the deepest struggle for me in acting is just the immense amount of uncertainty and the total lack of clarity about not only what's coming but about what happened.
0: Right.
1: You know, all those times that you went and showed your work to someone and then you don't know what happened. And if, and if you're in production, you kind of just do your part and you don't know a lot of what's going on and that if you have the job, it's a little bit easier
0: Yeah, because yeah. you
1: have something to do Yeah. when you have nothing to do and you don't know how to get your next job exactly. You know, you just kind of have to keep trying and anyone will tell you. It's like, you just got to keep throwing it against the wall until something sticks. Like yeah. there's nothing else anyone can tell you.
0: I feel like one thing that I always get, has always been hard for me, cause, you know, you, we just talked about how like, you know, what, what did they teach you in school or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I've had a really fluctuating, like, true north of what work I enjoy watching. Mm. And it's really hard to know, like, what is the kind of work you want to be doing? You know what I mean? Totally. Like, or like, you can, you can feel like you did what you wanted to do in the audition and then, When you don't hear anything back, it's like, but that's the work that I wanted to do. yeah, And like the work that I think should be, you know, and then you see, and sometimes you see the thing and it's like, not at
1: all. It's totally (laughs) different. Yeah. And it's usually brilliant. Yeah. Not always, but, um, sometimes and you go, okay, well shit, people know what they're doing. Yeah. It does often come back to that. And that's sort of a tricky thing too. A lot of these casting directors, they do know exactly what they're doing. And it's not, uh, you still did your best. I think that's what's important is that you feel like you did the work that you wanted to do,
0: yeah. right? Because
1: yeah. what else can you do?
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you're seeing a lot of the work? Do you see a lot of theater?
1: Uh, not a lot, but I've seen two really explosively good plays recently. So I feel like I've seen a lot of theater. <laughs>
0: Do you feel like you're seeing stuff now being made that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. The last two plays I saw, I was very excited about, really, really almost equally excited about them. Do you want to know what they were? Yeah. Okay. Um, Slave Play? Yes. And, okay. uh, Blue Ridge?
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Very yeah. different, but both really exciting from all ends, writing, directing, like, I guess the institutions that put them on because they put them on. And um, the acting, you know? Really, really amazing, solid, beautiful work. That's, I mean, yeah. That perfect, you know? Almost perfect, at least.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen Blue Ridge yet, but mm-hmm. Safe Play was really incredible. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind yeah. in a lot of ways. Stuff I haven't thought about in a long time. Do you find that I mean, in your career, you haven't actually played a lot of, what I've noticed is you haven't played a lot of ethnically specific roles, even mm, though you, so you're an Iranian. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you built that yourself or do you Ooh, feel that's like... That's a great
1: question. That's actually why I shortened my name to Kosh from Kosh or Kosh, which, what do you think sounds better? Leila Kosh or Leila Kosh?
0: Uh, They both sound good. They're both, like, fake, so I can't <laughs> decide
1: which one sounds better and just, like, you know.
0: Kosh sounds more, like, European. Kosh sounds more American. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, Yeah, I shortened my name because I felt like, wow, I would like to... This is, seems to be where my career is going, and I just had this thought that maybe the specificity of my name was sort of a roadblock, perhaps, Interesting. in people understanding what I, like who I am or whatever, like what I'm seen as.
0: Right. Right.
1: Like perhaps an unnecessary complication.
0: That's so interesting because I feel like you've never, I've never thought, I've never seen you play a role that's specific to your ethnicity. So I have a hard time, like even thinking. So it seems like, did you feel like you were getting called in a lot for those roles or? Called in a
1: lot, but not playing them, you know? Okay. I see. Yeah. So I wanted to be seen more by the industry, in terms of like the casting people and producers and agents even, as more of a general person,
0: right, than a super
1: specific person as a human being, uh-huh. yeah, sure. Which I don't know how I feel about that. I'm kind of like, I'm still cautious. like i would really <laughs> shortening it. I don't know. Doesn't make sense either. But it was just sort of this effort to get more work. Frankly, did it work? I don't know. I'm not sure. You said I had a good year. You do have a good year. It's but you've always had good years. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you've always had good years. Yeah, so I've known you. It doesn't matter then, I guess, right? Like, Kosh Nudie, Kosh, maybe it doesn't matter. Do you feel different? Do I feel different? Kind of. You do? Yeah. As Layla Kosh? Yeah, kind of. What do you feel like? What, different how? I feel kind of new, kind of separated from my family in a way. Huh. I honestly feel like I have two personas now. Oh interesting. Yeah. Like Layla Kosh is only a part of myself. Is so your acting
0: your acting persona or your
1: you? Yeah, I guess. The person that I take into casting rooms, at least at the moment, I don't know, I might I might change it back because actually it, it ended up feeling a little more interestingly like impactful than I thought it would. It's all very like Uh, like spiritual and like kind of like abstract and in the background. And I don't think about it that much. I did have a tarot reading for it recently, (laughs) which was informative. Um, what did they say? And they, they told me that the the name, well, they gave, they gave me the like potential for both names. Okay. And Kosh was more artistic fulfillment, but Kosh was more direct growth and like speedier kind of, um, Entrance into the world, huh. which totally makes sense, you know. I right. was basically shrinking my name to fit more bills, you know. <laughs> like truly, that's the idea, I guess. You know, like when you get down to it, right? Right. It's slightly right. easier to look at and not feel like not attach things to.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And I really wanted that. I wanted to kind of be able to be that as an actor. But yeah, now I don't know. I don't understand myself from the outside in very much at all, mm. which is probably why it's hard for me to watch myself in movies.
0: Are you excited? I mean, it seems like you're excited by the fact that, you know, that this is the way it's kind of turned out, that you haven't played a lot of ethnic, specific roles. I'm
1: not excited about that necessarily. I played an Iranian girl in one play in New Jersey, and that was really fun. And that was because that writer was sick and he understood what an Iranian first generation person is actually like. Yeah. Which is like an American. Right. With a foreign parent.
0: Right.
1: Which is means that they're fucked up just like everybody else. Yeah. And weird and assimilating and desperate, you know, and like I loved that character so much. It was this crazy play that we had a crazy time making and the director did everything but ruin the thing entirely you aware of directors when they're good they're good but that's rare and I don't mind saying that on record actually I do you should edit that out but um when they're good they're good but then when they're bad they're bad you know because it's a job that lends itself to this weird kind of power thing and this director that play definitely had that but the play was written by um who was then called Rick V now was goes full-time by glace chase because they're a trans person and they sort of i think committed to the other identity um but they wrote this really weird play about an iranian girl who her parent has a caretaker who's a struggling writer he gets this sense because of the attention on middle eastern people and um Muslim people and this sort of like mystique around it and terrorism and everything, he gets this idea that he can write this book from the perspective of this Muslim girl, exploiting all these triggers the American people have around that.
0: Oh, god! So the person. sick parent, the person who's writing the book is
1: American. He's, he's the caretaker of the sick parent. Oh, he's the
0: caretaker, and the, the parent is Iranian. Is Middle the parent East, right? is, ah. is is
1: my mother and is Iranian, like got it, got it, like immigrant. And then I'm this kind of whatever rebellious kid or like whatever, much like myself, kind of like (laughs) detached kid. That's like, like my experience was just trying to be more American than all the Americans and just trying to not stand out for my ethnicity at all. Maybe a lot of people aren't like that, but where I was from, that's definitely, was definitely my mode of survival. So that was one character that I loved playing and she was prickly and crazy and cool and just like anyone else. But with this like sort of specific thing about her. A lot of the other characters I, I play it, I don't feel as, um, close to because I think my sensibility is very American. And so, I don't know, this is again, my guess, because I don't ever land those roles, that I don't appear like what the American idea of what a Middle Eastern person is. And so it doesn't, it doesn't usually go my way with those characters with those
0: other Iranian characters who are Iranian, Iranian
1: and 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 Arabic mm-hmm. as I go in for those you know like yeah. my my representatives are definitely they can see that that's where I fit in and so that's where they're trying to get me in and but I've gotten a lot of my own work which just has nothing to do with my ethnicity
0: yeah a lot of your work comes out of your collaborations right your long-time collaborations yeah. with people Do you have a hard time, because I'm I'm sure, like, lots of your collaborators ask you about, you know, to do things, readings, workshops, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you have a hard time saying, like, choosing what the right thing to do Mm -hmm. is?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Less so now. I went through a period of saying no a lot. Like, I feel like there was this moment in the last year where I feel like all my actor friends were supporting each other in the power of no. Everybody's talking about the power of saying no. And so I did a lot of that. And now I'm just like saying yes all the time because I like to be working, you know. That's like I've realized that about myself. Um, I'm ha- happier and I just feel very fulfilled when I'm working. So I had some downtime and now I'm just like, oh, I just want to work a lot. So I said yes to a lot of things recently. But... I know what you mean. I think
0: like, have you ever had to said yes to something and then, and then you didn't have time to do it Oh thing yeah. That, that you, that came up later.
1: Yeah. I went through a period of doing that a lot and now I've like learned my lesson and gotten a little bit better about, about that. But, um, that's definitely happened and I've had to quit things, but actually I don't feel as bad about it anymore because I've kind of empowered myself. Um, A little bit and understood that that is so much a part of the job, not double booking. I mean, that's like an error, but getting a different job and actually not being able to say no to it because of money or because of, um, like mobility, the mobility that it sort of provides you and that people understand they respect actors and know anything about their lives that you can't really say no to those things. So... You have to take that space and do what you need to do within reason. And I think most people understand that. So I haven't felt as bad about those moments as much lately of like, Oh, I agreed to do this thing for you, but something else came up that's going to make me able to pay my rent. So,
0: yeah, you know, I yeah. have to do it. Do you ever feel I'm like, have so you burnt any bridges? <laughs> that uh, way
1: probably <laughs> no it's better not to think about I it don't it's know. better not to think about yeah it. I could think of a couple things <laughs> just popped up in my mind but did that happens. So like, yeah that's the weird thing about acting too it's like we're so empathic and so worried about other people's feelings it can be really it can be very handicapping
0: you have to kind of put your what makes sense for you in the
1: moment yeah. first and then move on it's the hardest thing in the world after? For me, no, the, no, the prior, boundaries, the boundaries, I would call it, I think I, I've been sort of, uh, calling that the process of like making boundaries in my life because it's totally not intuitive Yeah. to take care of yourself that way. I think for actors or at least for me, but I, I think that this is a thing for actors too. Again, because it's like, all we want to do is serve the project, serve the material, get in there and like do the job. And so to say no and protect yourself, it's like, that was a lesson that came later, very like recently. And I'm still learning it. It's still really hard actually to Mm -hmm. kind of go to, 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 to create this value, to assign a value on yourself Mm -hmm. since nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. You can kind of assess, okay, well this is the work I've been doing and this is what I think I have to offer. And you kind of have to make that up and set it in stone for yourself So you can navigate the business.
0: That's really powerful. Yeah, that's really important.
1: Yeah, it is. They didn't teach me that in school, actually. (laughs) They really didn't. And I think that that should be taught in school. I would like to maybe suggest, maybe I'll write Brooklyn College an email after this and suggest something like that or a workshop in that or something. Somebody who can give young actors or not even young, but actors that are entering the industry that a heads up about that would probably be pretty useful.
0: Like just being aware of what you bring and
1: what your own, um, limits are, what you value getting really specific about that. Cause I think that there were some hard blows that took a long time to recover from. And I think had I been a little bit more aware entering the industry that they might not have been as hard to uh, recover from. I mean, you hear those stories of like, <laughs> like that, like that thing that's probably in a million movie scenes of being like, if you don't have to do it, then leave right now, quit right now. Cause it's so hard. So, you know, like, you know, I had some sense that acting was going to be crazy hard, But, um, the specific ways in which you're not valued was, was sort of tricky to, 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 to learn. I didn't expect that.
0: Mm, So, like, yeah. So that just took work to be like, actually, I, this is what I bring and I know. And this is, this is my value. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then also, if you're not seeing that reflected, it's not because it's not real. It's because that's the way the industry is structured. Right. right, Or it's saturated or various other reasons. But like that sense of value, not to let that get compromised and to kind of understand that you have to look out for yourself because there's so many things you can't control. These these this information was sort of there. But I think I could have I think a uh, uh, it could be taught with a little more specificity, I think. Being sort of on the other side of some of that stuff, I'm like, there there's a there's a consistency in it. You know, it's not just like it's generally hard. There, are, it's hard for a few specific reasons. And I, I think to understand that as a, like a green actor could help you navigate the industry a little bit for yourself to where you don't get traumatized <laughs> as much.
0: <laughs> um, well, I think.
1: That's about it. Okay, an ending on trauma. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I it was okay. I just—I
0: feel wow. like that was a great note because I was <laughs> going to ask you what you would have, like, the advice you would have given to yourself when you were first starting out, and I yeah. feel like you pretty much covered
1: it. There it was. Yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> to thine own self be true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who said that again?
1: <laughs> Thank you, Layla. That was William Esper. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.